0: Alright, my message today is entitled, One Accord. Today is the day in the Christian church calendar when we commemorate and celebrate the day of Pentecost, which signals the beginning of the church age empowered by the Holy Spirit. We can do nothing in and of ourselves, but by the Holy Spirit we can do all things as God empowers us. Pentecost comes from a Greek word meaning 50, signifying the 50 days since the wave offering of Passover. Pentecost was also the name of the Old Testament festival called the Feast of Weeks, which celebrated the end of the grain harvest. So what does a grain harvest, or what does grain have to do with the birth of the church? Actually, it has much to do with the birth and the growth of the church. I want to take you to John chapter 12 verse 24. Jesus says, most assuredly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. Here Jesus prophetically describes what his death would produce. Without his sacrifice, there would be no church and no way for anyone to reach heaven and eternity with our Lord but because He willingly gave His life as a payment for our sins. He sowed a seed of perfect love that is still bringing in the harvest today. That's why any of us and all of us are here from that seed that He sowed on Calvary when people accept His sacrifice and repent and choose to follow Him. Thus, the opening chapter of Acts chapter 2 makes a whole lot more sense. Acts 2 verse 1 says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. See, the reason why the day of Pentecost had fully come is because Jesus, the divine grain of wheat, who died and then rose again to usher in a great harvest of souls for eternity because was what He did. That's why the day of Pentecost had fully come. On this day of Pentecost, there's one factor, however, that really sets the stage for the Holy Spirit. We see here that the disciples of Jesus were all in one accord in one place. Don't confuse that. Yes, they were all in the same room, but the body of Christ is is together around the world, even though we are in different localities, even though some people are watching the service at home. We're not talking just the physicality. We're talking of being in one accord. This verse makes clear that they were all with one accord. The fact of the matter is that Jesus did His part through selflessly laying down His life and then rising again before eventually ascending into heaven. And now the disciples, the believers, and dedicated followers of Jesus had to all come together in one accord. What does this mean? It means that they were of one mind and one heart and one priority. They all put their differences behind them and they became singularly focused on Jesus' words to come together and wait for the promise. They knew they were all different from different backgrounds and different lines of work and different opinions. But none of them was more important than coming together to be united for Jesus' commands. One of my favorite quotes, of source of an unknown, says, Courage is not the absence of fear but it is the wisdom of knowing that something is more important. And I would say that unity is not the absence of different opinions, but the wisdom of knowing that something is more important. What's more important? Jesus. He is the name above every name. He is our rock that gets us through these times. You see, the disciples knew that they often had different responses to challenges. They had different thoughts to express. They had different perspectives on society. But the more that they spent authentic time with Jesus and under His teaching, the more that all their differences were quieted so that their focus could unmistakably be centered on Jesus. He was center stage, period. So many today will focus on the birth of the church as we celebrate the day of Pentecost. And we will certainly get there in our study. However, we cannot get there until the groundwork is fully laid. The day of Pentecost cannot fully come, even for us as a church today and around the world, until we choose to put aside our differences, to quiet voices of division, to acknowledge that we indeed have different perspectives and responsibilities and opinions. But none of that is as important as us coming together in one accord. We all must be singularly focused on the words of Jesus, on His teaching, on God's will for our lives, not for our desires or for our pride. We must understand who we are and where we are in God's plan right now. We know that we are God's children. That's who we are. We know that we are born again, not of blood, but of the Spirit of God who has rescued us and forgiven us and redeemed us and justified us and is in the process right now of sanctifying us each day as we continue to become more and more like Jesus. That is who we are. Where are we in time? Well, let me draw your attention to this truth in Scripture. Romans 8.28 tells us we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. See, if you have come to Jesus, if you have confessed your sins, if you have asked for His forgiveness and repented by asking the Holy Spirit to help you live a life worthy of His sacrifice made on your behalf, if you are daily open to the conviction of the Holy Spirit, the grace of God and the teaching of Jesus, then you, each one of you, are one of Jesus' disciples. And you are one of the called according to God's purpose. So as one of the called, let us understand what is happening right now. That on this very day that we begin to open up our church here in Roscommon, once again for in-person worship and prayer and study and bathing in His presence, on this day we commemorate the day of Pentecost. If you recall... When this COVID-19 crisis first happened, it was happened during the middle of Lenten preparations. It was just before Passion Week, just before Holy Week, a time as Christians that we draw closer to the cross, a time where we are focused on God, asking ourselves to be conformed to Him. And now we are we are opening, reopening the church on the day of Pentecost, the day that the Holy Spirit empowered the disciples and Followers of Jesus to spread the message of salvation, of life eternal, of forgiveness and redemption so that the early church could advance. That's what this day represents. If we stand on this truth that all things work together for good to those who love God and are of the called, then we must understand the importance of this day to us as Christians and to us right here in Roscommon, Michigan. God has called us to come together in one accord. To receive His promise. To be endued with power from on high. To be bold witnesses for Him wherever we go. But we have some serious work to do first. Because before we get to the promise, we have to take care of business of reconciliation with one another. With our fellow countrymen and women. And with God Himself. Right now, we are going to take some time to ask God to search our hearts. I know it's a little bit different, but if we're going to have the full of, a day of Pentecost fully come, we want to be in one accord so the Holy Spirit can move through us and unite us and continue His work in our church and in this area. So we're going to take some time to search our hearts, our minds, our motives, our pride, and our flesh to bring to mind the times when we have failed to work towards coming together in one accord. Don't for one minute be fooled by the enemy into thinking that this time or this message is for someone else. God asks all of us to search our own hearts. This time is for you. This time is for me. God is calling all of us to repent, to come to Him. To acknowledge that at times we all have been judgmental or divisive or stubborn or have given into temptation instead of being quick to forgive, to pray, to intercede, and to honor God with every thought, word, and action. This is the only way that we can possibly come together in one accord so God can build upon this church. We have to come to the place where each of us individually realizes that we have sinned. As the Bible says, we all have sinned. That we have messed up, that we have judged our fellow man or woman. That we have given in to temptation, not only against one another, but against God. This in fact is where King David, the great king of Israel, found himself when he repented of his sin with Bathsheba. We see it in Psalms 51 verse 1. David cries out and he says, have mercy upon me, O God. According to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Why did David cry out for mercy? It was because greater than anything else, he had sinned against God and he knew it. David knew he was guilty. He wasn't blaming his choice to sin on anyone else. He wasn't justifying it or assuming it It was only between him and Bathsheba and her husband. He knew he had sinned against God. David acknowledged his own guilt before God and he pleaded for God's mercy. Psalm 51 verse 2, he continues, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. You see, David did not, did not stop at just acknowledging his sin. Too many people re- confuse repentance with confession. It's not just saying he did something wrong. It involves an action. What are you going to do to repair that relationship? In this case, if this were the case, people would just keep on sinning. If all we had to do was just to confess, people would just keep on sinning. They would keep on judging. They would keep on finding themselves in the same place, dealing with the same sin and the same condemnation that accompanies it. Maybe this has happened with you. And you've wondered why you find yourself in the same place and the same confession and the same prayer over and over again. Listen, there is hope because Jesus is our healer. Jesus is our answer. Jesus wants to point us the way where we are healed so that we can serve Him. If it is you, don't fret. Don't condemn yourself. Don't stay in your guilt. Come to Jesus. Follow David's lead, asking God to wash us thoroughly from our iniquity and to cleanse us from our sins. Ask God to cleanse your conscience, to wipe away your condemnation, to cleanse you from all unrighteousness, Don't let your confession be focused only on what you have done or thought or said. Ask God to cleanse you so that guilt and condemnation no longer keep you in bondage. Psalm 51, verse 3, For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Like David, we must fully come clean. Acknowledge our transgressions and realize that our sin is always before me. We may be able to hide it from others, but we know that our sin is always before us. And therefore, it is always between us and God until we come to the place of repentance and repent of our actions and turn to God asking for His mercy. Psalm 51, verse 4, "...against you, you only, have I sinned and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge." see, when we come to this place of acknowledging that our sin, that every sin is against God, that we have done evil in His sight, then we tell God that we understand that all sin must be judged like God says. And God is just to do that. This is the place of repentance that few come to. We are too quick to let ourselves off the hook or to justify our actions or to blame someone else. We're too quick to announce that we're under grace instead of being humbled like David and being completely vulnerable before God. God does not want to slap you across the head. He does not want to say, I told you so. He wants to say, I love you and I redeemed you and I've forgiven you and I've cleansed you and I've washed all iniquity from you. That's what our loving God wants to do. And so some of us that maybe we've been raised in a home where we felt otherwise and we're afraid to be vulnerable before God and so we don't fully walk through repentance. But God says, come to me. I already know what you did. I knew what you were going to do before you even did it and I still love you. God asks us to take this seriously. Repentance is a gift that God gives us so that we can restore our communion with Him. So that we can be in one accord so God can move through us as the body of Christ. Amen? We must all come to this place of crying out to God for mercy. For He alone is the lifter of our heads. He alone is the light in the darkness. He alone is the answer to our prayers. He alone is the Redeemer of our souls. And He alone is the Lord God Most High. You see, the only way that we come to this place of being together in one accord is for all of us to acknowledge that we have sinned. We all have messed up. We all have fallen short of the glory of God and that every one of us, because of that, every one of us needs Jesus. We're not trying to convince people that Jesus is the better way. He is the only way. We need Him. We need His grace and His forgiveness. Therefore, to set the table for being in one accord, let us take some time right now. I know this is a little bit different right now, but in the middle of this sermon message, I feel that we should. God's calling us to take some time right now to allow God to search our souls, let us focus on ourselves. I'm not get, when everyone's not to have a microphone. We're not projecting this. This is time between us and God to look at our own lives, keeping our attention right here and now. God, we ask you to bring to mind our sins, our thoughts, our words, our actions, our impure motivations of our hearts, and judgments of others. Help us to acknowledge where we have failed and completely turn them over to you right now. Let's take a time of reflection. And as God brings things to your mind, don't dwell on it. Just ask God to forgive you. To release you from that bondage. Let's take some time to search our hearts. Heavenly Father, You know our minds. You know our hearts. We freely lay these things before You. We acknowledge that we have missed the mark. As Your Word says every one of us. We need You, Jesus. We repent. We confess of our sins. We pray and we thank You for Your Word that says as we confess our sins to You, that You forgive us of our sins, that You blot out our transgressions, that You wash us of our iniquities, That You cleanse us from all unrighteousness so that we can stand before You. And God, we know we're going to mess up. We know we're not perfect. But that's why we are thankful for Your grace which covers us, which blesses us, which encourages us to continue to seek You. We thank You for this time right now of this repentance that brings us all together in one accord so that all collectively we can come together to lift up You and to seek You and to lift up Your name. We thank you for setting the table right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. The people had come together. Not just the apostles, the disciples, there were 120 at that time, estimates say, or more. They had all come together, they put their differences aside so that God could move through them. God told them to come together and wait for the promise. They didn't just do nothing while they were waiting. They were seeking God and getting ready for their business so that God could move through them so God could advance the church and the world. Just like God desires to do right now. Verse 2, "...and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting." We believe there is power when we come together and worship. Where our family and friends are back home even right now joining us and praying, but we believe there is a collective power we come together with one accord and God moves through this place. We need Jesus. We need the Holy Spirit to fill us. Verse 3, "...then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them." Notice that they were all come together in one place But when God sent the Holy Spirit, He not only sent it collectively, but He gave each person. There was a tongue upon each person. There's something for each one of us to use our gifts in the way that God has called us to use our gifts. As I shared with you before, the greatest gift is what is needed at the time. Whether it's by hospitality, whether it's standing in prayer, whether it's sharing the love of Jesus, whether some of you, God may call you to demonstrate forgiveness which means you're going to get offended, but by God's strength, you're going to be able to forgive someone, and that's going to open someone's life to Jesus. God, when He brought the Holy Spirit, a tongue, a fire, appeared above each one of them individually so they could come together and work collectively for the good of Jesus. Verse 4, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. What happened? What happened was there was people all over in the area that wanted to hear about God, but they couldn't speak the language. And so God supernaturally met the need at the time. He gave them the ability to speak other languages that they didn't study or they didn't know so that they could proclaim the works of God. Verse 5, And they were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. They had been there for the festivals and were still there because God doesn't do anything by accident. It's all on purpose. He knew that everyone was there. This would be the time to send His Spirit to start the church. Verse 6, And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in His own language. How can that be? Verse 7, then they were all were amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all of those who speak Galileans? You see, people could not believe that they could now hear God in their own language. And these were just Galileans. These are just fishermen. What do you think is going to happen when we show the love of Jesus? Are people just going to say, Wait a minute, aren't those people all just from common? How could they be changing the world? How could they be sharing the love of Jesus? Aren't those just people up there? It's not about us, it's about God. And when there is a need, if we come together in one accord, God works through us to do amazing things. Where marriages are put back together. Where homes are restored. Where people's wounds are healed. Where division ceases to have the main voice. And where the unity in the body of Christ reigns. That's what God wants to do. That's what God is continuing to do. If you recall back in February, we had an ecumenical marriage retreat where several different churches came together and worship God and and honor God in putting marriages back together. Yesterday, God put on my heart to call area pastors and asked us to start praying together. We're starting to do that this week. I would pray that each of us find a way that we can come together, not just in our own church, in our own church, but all over the place, that we come together in one accord as the body of Christ so that the Holy Spirit can continue to do His work that He started here. We honor God when we come together. Verse 8, How is it that we hear each in our own language in which we are born? I will tell you that people want to hear about Jesus, but they don't all hear in the same way. God uses you in your own circles of influence with the people that you God has put in your life. I cannot evangelize to all your friends because I don't know them, but you have relationships with them, with your family and friends and neighbors. God puts each of us in a circle of influence so that we can share through relationship what Jesus has done with our gifts and with our connections. I thank God for the people in this church who have are deliberate upon their connections. One thing we miss the most in all this time is just the fellowship. We miss coming together. I know we can't hug and all that stuff now, but man, I miss the fellowship. I know a lot of you have as well, but that fellowship is for a reason so that we can be strong and united together and the Holy Spirit can move through each and every one of us. Verse 9, Parthians and Medes and Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia. Verse 10, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya adjoining Cyrene. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes. Verse 11, Cretans and Arabs, We hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. God has called all of us from different backgrounds and different cultures and different experiences and different opinions. God's called us all together to be one united voice. To proclaim that Jesus is our only hope right now. Our hope is not found in a political solution else it would have been solved so far. Our hope is not found in a breakthrough. Our hope is in Jesus. And Jesus has called us to come together right now on this day of Pentecost so that the Holy Spirit can fill us like a mighty rushing wind that we can do the work of God by loving one another and forgiving one another and demonstrating compassion so that God's work can go forth and people can be redeemed and saved. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your blessing. We thank You for the power of Your Word. We thank You for calling us right now at this time in history to be part of what You're doing. And God, we know that fear is gripping people and anxiety and division, but we call upon You, Jesus, the name above every name, the name above division, the name above fear of anxiety, we call upon You to bring and to speak peace to all of us. Breathe fresh Your Holy Spirit upon each one of us. Empower us to be bold witnesses and bold uh, people who demonstrate forgiveness and love so that the world can see that You are coming for us. We look and we wait for You. Use us, God, in a miraculous way to bring unity and empower this church to go forward by Your strength and by Your might. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.